eating watermelon and I just nearly choked on that right now. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you like froze too. So I was like, I'll never know if they survived that. Do you want to rub on Simba's tummy? Or think that Spider-Man looks extra yummy? The pain of childhood is super funny. On did that do it for ya? Sick. Okay, we're going to do a, something called a, a count in. So you and I are going to count back and forth to six. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. We did it. What's that for? That's for uh, when Eric edits, he can match up our audio to the oh, right spot. Oh, cool. Look yeah. at that. It's pretty fancy. Look at that. He taught me that, actually. I was just going in willy-nilly before. Oh, he taught you that? Yeah. <laughs> We're all self-made here sometimes. You got to rely on the, the knowledge of others. And, and that's and amazing. That's a beautiful with- thing. It is. With that, welcome to That Do It For You podcast, the Sexual Awakenings podcast, where we talk about the media that made us horny for the first time. <laughs> I, <laughs> I am here with someone I've been trying to get on this podcast for over a year, and we're finally here. We did it. Um, hi, I am Real Vargas Alanis. They, them, theirs. Hell yeah. Hello, hello. We're so hello. very blessed to have you. You're one of the busiest people that I know. <laughs> it's, you know, I I don't like that word, busy, mm. um, because I, some, I feel that um, I like giving my time to people that I care for. Aww. And so to, like, I, I hate when I have to say, like, I am so sorry, I was so busy, because um, it feels to me that I am not loving the folks enough. Um, but that being said, <laughs> my time has been very limited. Is that, um, is, is that the term you prefer to use? Like just time is limited or like, is there a phrase that- Oh no, I just, or... I don't know what to use. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I'm sorry. I don't like the word, but I have to use it. <laughs> no, I, I get it. I completely get it. And I've never once felt unloved when you have been like, I am busy. I have completely understood because you run a nonprofit and a small business. So I, I understand that you have a very full plate and I never once feel unloved. And I also, I relate. I've had to reschedule this clandestine meeting as have you. So we're just finally here and that's what I'm celebrating. That's, and I'm celebrating that too. And thank you for that validation because that's very much important. And I'm glad that you don't, that you feel loved. (laughs) I do. So uh, Riel, where in the world are you? Where in the world am I? We are in a very uh, pivotal moment of transformation within society. (laughs) (laughs) Well, are we going the macro or the micro? (laughs) I am currently in uh, Yokut's territory or Winton, California. Uh, This is in the Central Valley of California. It's in Central California. It's the barrio next to Atwater uh, in Merced County. So Mm -hmm. this is probably somewhere that people might just drive through. Um, or at least Merced is like a place that people just kind of drive through. Mm. Um, but like what people sometimes don't know is that a lot of their food comes from here. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that is that is true. And actually our being friends with you has taught me so much about food justice and food politics, like not just in the Central Valley, though, of course, like most of our food comes from the Central Valley, but just like worldwide, it's like. You've really opened my eyes. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> uh, and uh, obviously, the most important question I ask on this podcast is, mm-hmm. uh, how did we? How did you and I meet? You know, I don't remember per se. Oh, but one of my favorite memories with you was one of our first memories together, and we went um, to Black Sheep. I don't remember, I think you prompted, I'm not sure, I'm gonna call it a date. We went on a date to Black Sheep. Um, We went out for some drinks and we were just literally getting to know each other and talking about our future endeavors, the things that we are currently doing, our love for new works, um, the shitty things that we went went through in our undergrad programs (laughs) and the connection of that drive and producing and creating our own works and uplifting the people around us. And we both spoke in regards to our companies. And um, I spoke a little bit in regards to ITM. And then you spoke about wanting to start um, a company, which is, I mean, currently Juvenalia. And so that's been really cool to have seen and experienced that trajectory. Um, But that's like one of my first and favorite memories of us is just being up in Black Sheep, just talking about like everything. Um, and it was beautiful. I remember And that's that. when I knew, I was like, I was like, I fuck with Aurelia, I really do. <laughs> I was like, Aurelia's a doer, Aurelia is a shaker. Like we need, yes, we're the instigators, let's go. Yes, um, yes. I remember our date, I remember our friend date. That was really <laughs> nice. I do remember when we first met though. What I was do. it, tell me. Uh, well, maybe the first time that we like, the first time that we had like more than just like a conversation on the bricks, because I think we had that just because we have our, our mutual friend, Krista, who I need to get them on the podcast. Like we, we made a plan and also it fell through. Um, but mm. then you and I were at Krista's house and that was like the first time that we really spoke and you like mm. talked about um, your work uh with like you know the big letter that you sent to your university and Mm. just kind of all that stuff and I I, again I think to to echo your sentiment I felt like oh you this person and I are very much on the same wavelength about things and I just remember like really clicking and Krista obviously was there and facilitating that clicking and it was a in that beautiful town home of theirs. And it was just, it was, a, that was like my first like real memory of you. My favorite memory of you is um, hanging out in your apartment, your your apartment. And um, I touched, I, I don't know if I, I, I might ask Eric to bleep that. Okay. <laughs> so that's why I said, oh, um, oh yes, my housing. Your housing. Um, my little, my little blue cab. In your haunted blue house. Blue house. Yes. Uh, yes. So, so it's just like the same night that these things happen. Oh my god! Um, I know what memory. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> we we were both crushing pretty hard on some people that we knew, and we were like, "Let's do some magic," and we did some. Sp- spells and some magic and we manifested and it was awesome the best and like funniest part of that night for me was I like absentmindedly started playing with um one of your necklaces or maybe one of your one of your bracelets and you were like don't touch my beads (laughs) 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 I think about I think about that all the time (laughs) serious (laughs) 
It was just so funny the way that you said it. I love that. <laughs> so yeah, the doing doing magic and doing some love spells, which very um very eerie. I feel like our manifestations kind of came to fruition in many ways. Mine to a T. So like clearly I have some like Jewish shit going on. But apparently, apparently I was a little scattered when I did that or something because like enough. I wasn't specific enough because like I mean it it, it manifested in a way. It, you, you gotta be like it kind of monkeys pod you I feel like it like oh yeah no yeah absolutely it monkeys it pod like, you it was like oh yeah no this sure we'll we'll bring this to fruition mm-hmm. it's just not going to be in the way that you think it's going to be or it's just not going to play out like, <laughs> in that direction. yes um, like so, I, <laughs> go on no now I'm just thinking of like calling you up and being like yeah that one time <laughs> yeah yeah it was great I <laughs> I was like, I think one of the things I'm really good at in my life is listening to my friends' drama and particularly like romantic relationship uh-huh. drama. <laughs> like, I think I'm like, that's like my, if, I, if, if because I turned theater sort of into my work, I would say my true hobby is like collecting drama. Mm. Like I'm a, I'm a listener of romantic woes. And my mom is like desperate for me to turn that into my career because it's more profitable. And she's like, you'd be such a good therapist. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I love this too much. Yeah, <laughs> I don't this wanna... is, this is one of the like best gossip. parts of life. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one of the best parts of life. And that's all like I work, I work for her now at her mental health clinic and I like take the notes. I like and enter the group notes into the data system. So I like, you know, oh, I, this might be a HIPAA violation. I don't think so because I'm not saying, yeah, no, I don't think it's so because I'm not saying any names. I'm just saying what I do. I like take the notes and I enter them into the computer. So really it's a good day job for me because it does kind of hit on that element of (laughs) (laughs) that drama. (laughs) I'm just, I'm so thinking of, because I really remember that night. Yeah. Um, I just also, now that you mentioned Krista, Mm -hmm. was this a night that we did face masks? Different night. Oh, that was a different night. Okay. That was a different night because I think by the time you and I were manifesting on your porch, um, Krista had moved away. I think. Oh. Krista will obviously hear this and text me and be like, no, I didn't. <laughs> you just didn't invite me. <laughs> That's not a very good Krista impression. It's on this day that we are recording. It is their birthday. Have you texted them? Oh my God, no, but I will. Yeah, too. Thank you. Happy it's, birthday, Krista, when you listen to this whenever. <laughs> yes, it's Krista's birthday. It's Lawrence Turner Cordova's birthday. Oh, wow. Uh, guest of the pod, Juvenalia Collective member. And it's actually kind of Juvenalia's birthday because on this day a year ago, I texted Emily Hawks and was like, wouldn't it be super hilarious if we did a drinking game reading of the Babysitter's Club? And uh here we are. And there we are. Yeah. Um, I, I Full circle. It is full circle. I, I was gonna, I left my, my blue, my like roadmap of how I conduct these episodes at my work. So we are going to wing it pretty hard, but I would, I That's do want to ask you, um, you mentioned your company a little bit in the beginning, yeah. and I would love for you to expand on that and talk about it a little bit. 
Absolutely. Uh, prior, before we get there, um, just mm. because I'm still on this, the blue house thing. Yes. <laughs> um, just for folks, there's this uh, blue house that was the former mayor's house in Ashland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And it was divided into several little like, like studios, mm -hmm. um, which by the way, like you, it was impossible to cook in there. Like my mom burned water on that no, stove and she's a great cook. <laughs> Sexy like, tacos. <laughs> yeah, sexy tacos. Um, like it's a whole mess. That that's <sighs> just a whole mess. But like, so I remember Aurelia came like came over. Don't remember why. Maybe just hanging out. I don't we were know. Just hanging out. Um, on like my little like small ass green couch <laughs> with my like tiny um TV. Is I don't even know if it was it allowed to be called a TV. It wasn't. It was you couldn't TV call it a monitor? TV. It was like a, it was like a computer monitor. <laughs> Connected to a DVD player. <laughs> I didn't even have like anything else. It was no. Like, like you can have Roku supposedly. It's like that wasn't even a thing like available <sighs> to housing or something. Seriously, you um, got a rod deal. God damn it. But that place was totally haunted. But haunted. no, it's just, that's one of my favorite memories is now I'm like reliving that and replaying it where I'm like, Oh, I remember talking about boys. Mm -hmm. I remember talking about those specific boys mm -hmm. and then talking about um, manifesting this and then just being like, fuck it. Let's just do some witchcraft. It was so And <laughs> also for folks listening to this, we do not inhibit free will, right? Free will is always no. at play. No. It's always with good intentions and it's yes. just to like uh, fortify um, any kind of manifestation, right? Yes. To get us on that track. Yes. But nothing, no like voodoo shit, nothing like no. that. No, nothing like that. <laughs> we were just putting our desires and wishes out into the universe, lighting some candles. We're both fire signs. So I think for both of us, that like element of it really helped like kind of, you know, ground it and, and, and feel like we were kind of, you know, digging into our spirituality in a way that felt really yes. nice. And like I... <laughs> and it came to fruition for Aurelia fairly quickly. For me, it was a progressive thing. And uh, yeah, here we are. I mean, <laughs> not with either of those boys. <laughs> no, though. <laughs> I I asked that boy if he wanted to come on the podcast, and he was like, "I can't because I'm too famous." Oh, shut up! <laughs> he literally was like, "I have like a bit of a following, and it's kind of young, so I can't. I I like can't." <laughs> Oh, okay. Right. I know. And I get it. I get it. So in regards to uh, my company, yes. Emergen, <laughs> so <laughs> ITM, <laughs> we began in 2015 as a response to institutional racism, uh, you know, the fun stuff. And <laughs> um, my cohort and I quickly started realizing that uh, we were not receiving the same training or uh, opportunities as our white counterparts. And the interesting thing is that our, my cohort actually ended up being cutie BIPOC by accident. It was because a lot of folks transferred in and then some folks dropped the major or there was like a huge shuffling that happened. And so there was folks that were studying abroad that came back. And so by like uh, 2014, 2015, we were like, oh, oh, look at, look at all those. Oh, okay, cool. And progressively, we also started coming out to one another and so eight out of the 10 of us, and actually I think nine out of the 10 of us are all like queer or somewhere in the LGBTQ plus like sphere. Um, and all of us minus like two folks are brown um, and like a ton of us are like non-binary. Anyway, anyway. So point being is that we 
quickly, quickly developed a very close uh, bond. And then what is the best thing that can happen to a group of people is, is that they trauma bond. Um, <laughs> so we then trauma bonded through <laughs> these very horrific uh, actions where we received a lot of reprimands, um, such as like one of my former cohort members still doesn't have their degree to this day because they refused to sign off on it. Um, someone was kicked off of or removed from a founding as a founding member and company member of a new established theater company, a children's theater company, because two of the affiliated people of the founders uh, were professors that were offended by our letter, which our letter or document was outlining a lot of the racial issues that were happening, but also mental health and queer issues, um, along with just academic things like, hey, we don't have a syllabus. Like, are you gonna provide like a syllabi or like what's going on? Um, anyway, to lean away from that, we started producing our own works and we started going out and training as much as we could in different places, working in different theaters, and then coming back and doing skill sharing. All this to say is that um, ITM began in 2015 and we have just expanded and kept growing. And at a certain point, um, we said, okay, we're going to take a little bit of a pause so we can go out and continue to gain more professional experience so we can come back and like just go and run with it. And so even with that break, uh, which was like three-ish years, um, we still came like when we were in, like when I was in the off season for like one of my jobs for one of like a, a regional theater company um, and same with other folks and we didn't have gigs or if this was their like downtime for their master's program or whatever, we would still create a show right in our hometown. So it's like, even though we were on break, we were still producing works. Um, it was just an, just like super, super active. Anyway, <laughs> all of this to say is that we came back together in regards to just saying, hey, like now that we have this, uh, these experiences, these networks and whatnot, let's just go full force and let's see what happens. And the beautiful thing is that we have expanded exponentially. Um, we have an incredible ensemble of 30. Um, we have an like phenomenal uh, administration team that Aurelia is part of. <gasps> Um, <laughs> they are our associate producing, um, artistic associate producer. And we, as an ITM, is now part of the National New Play Network as yes. associate members. Uh, we are part of the National New Play Network's bridge program. We are producing the New American Theater Festival that's coming in October. Plug. And it's, yes, plug. <laughs> um, there we commissioned six new plays and we are micro commissioning an additional six um we are featuring cabin 12 by aurelia that i'm obsessed with Ooh, both me. in english and spanish oh my god um, well, talk about that one yes <laughs> um so there's like uh, via animal cross it's staged via animal crossing uh, new horizons and we have just a huge lineup of incredible shows um uh, that's just range within the cutie BIPOC spectrum and they're they're just incredible. They're these phenomenal artists and we're potentially going to be employing about a hundred artists. Um, and that is, it's just phenomenal to me. Um, and to have been a couple of weeks ago invited to be part of a preliminary 
uh, panel discussion to open off to open up and, ki and kick off the um, the annual conference for the National New Play Network to introduce in the margin and also myself as like um, in their words an industry leader. I'm just go. like, let's go, let's go. Look at where we are. Look at where we are. So it's it's just with an industry. So yeah, that's that's in the margin and. We work on creating new works, but we are also an arts and advocacy uh, organization. So we work a lot with community uh, organizers and different organizations that are not just theater. Uh, so we want to, and we do collaborate with a lot of folks um, within other nonprofit sectors that are not just art-based, but things that give back to community and how do we utilize our resources and or artistic qualities in order to be able to uplift these folks. And that might look like, not necessarily like creating a mosaic, but actually how do I utilize like my dramaturgy experience to do some research in regards to like labor laws and whatnot so that I can provide a dramaturgical quote unquote packet for like employers or employees. Um, anyway, so, you know, we, we, we do a lot. Um, and another plug, Sexy Tacos. So I'm currently <laughs> running a food business with my mom called Sexy Tacos, where the tacos are sexy. And <laughs> it is, it's the best. <laughs> Honestly, it's the best. Um, like, I love it. Yeah. Incredible. I, first of all, I, I have a, I have a bit of a reputation for uh, being a bit of obsessed with my friends who have hot moms, being obsessed with their moms. Your mom <laughs> is one of the hot moms that I'm obsessed with. <laughs> Whenever she's in your story, I'm always like, mm, tell your mom sup. <laughs> okay, Which, I will. Tell your mom sup from me. Um, I love sexy tacos. I love that it's called sexy tacos because obviously I think your mom is sexy. Um, Eric, <laughs> that in. And uh, <laughs> that, uh, I, I'm hoping to um, make my way down to Central Valley, hopefully around the time of, of the New American Theater Festival. Oh um, yeah. To, and hopefully I'll we'll get to feast on the gorgeous tacos. And I mean, I'm so excited. absolutely. And then hopefully for the, the festival, um, Sexy Tacos might be catering. So, <gasps> hey, yeah. Well, that's incredible. I'm so excited. Circling back. Yes, sorry. Where? <laughs> Tangent. Prior. Prior to that, where were we? You were talking about sexy tacos and you were like, it's awesome and fun. And I was like, I can't wait to eat them. And then- Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And then we were talking about the festival, I believe. It doesn't yes. matter. Anyway, well, so many did, different things. Yes, you did your plugs at the beginning. Generally we yes. do them at the end, but we'll, we'll circle back to them at the end just to remind folks. Absolutely. But I, I'm, such a, I'm such a fan of your work and um, I love being a part of In the Margins. So I wanted to talk about it. Um, and also just like, it's a pretty unique thing that you do and uh you you know your leadership style has like very much watching you work has very much inspired me and has him me oh my god what if we ride on this podcast me <laughs> me kind of to make it about me um <laughs> But let's go back to you. Uh, why? What are we talking about? It is about me. You're you're like giving me some praise. You can continue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I could go on and on and on, but I, I do want to get to uh, the, yes. the, the topic at sexual hand, awakenings. which is sexual awakenings, and uh, what we are here to discuss today. Uh, so what what are we what are we talking about? What are we talking about? You tell me. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> we are talking about okay so when <laughs> when in this past year and a half um or three years however long it's been taking Aurelia and I to That's find some times to record this year and a couple months <laughs> um I've been trying to backtrack my childhood to see Oof. what was my sexual awakening and you know, we were going through like cartoons and whatnot, or animations or uh, anime, any kind of things that might have, you know, been that that do it for you moment, right? Yes. Yes. Um, and so things that were thrown out there was like, well, Danny Phantom was like really cute, yeah. and I was like, wait a minute, but like Yu-Gi-Oh was also a thing. But then I realized, no, it's because I wanted to look like the Dark Magician. Right. Right. And then as of like several months ago, I realized that Digimon just had its 20 year anniversary and they had a relaunch of their Digimon adventure. Uh -huh. um, and then I was like, I was watching the series and then all of a sudden they came to the, uh, one of the Digidestin that comes up and like here comes Anjuman. I was just like, there's Mike. Oh, that's what it is. There's that beautiful manly angel with that long hair. Hey. Um and I think that's when I remembered. I was just like, wait a minute. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. Did you end up getting to see some of those episodes or any of that? I, okay, full disclosure. Yes. I put on uh, episode 20, which you had asked me to do this morning. And I watched it. I could only, uh, it was the one on Hulu, right? So it's a Japanese, it's Japanese and then subtitled. Yes. Okay, good. Oh, I got sorry. the right. Yes, it has a. Yeah, I got the right one because I was like, oh, is this supposed to be dubbed? Am I watching everything? Okay, so I, I like, I watched the, the, the epi you sent me a couple episodes and I watched the first one that you sent me and I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. As soon like Anjuman appeared I was like oh obviously this is what did it for you but I was like I can watch one episode of this and I'm just gonna have I'm just gonna have Riel explain the rest well here's the thing I was not I was not at all expecting you to like follow uh to follow the storyline at all because I mean first off you went in there in like episode 20 yeah um, I had no idea what was going on the only thing I wanted you to do was like watch that angel man. Yes. Anjaman. Like watch watch him just like rise out of the depths of the shadows in the dark, just come yes. out with his glowingness and Be very, very ripped, long very, hair, mm -hmm. tall. Um, yeah, I super got it. I like, will you okay? So, like the best that I can do to explain it is like this is I was like watching it and I was like, well, this is like low rent Pokemon. Low rent Pokemon? Yeah. Oh hell no. Like yeah, I, would you will you explain what Digimon no, no, no. is? You you go ahead. You no, go ahead. I'm I can't offended. because 
I know because this is what I mean. It's like I don't think I'm the person to. But it's Pokemon adjacent. Yeah, I mean, I it guess. is definitely yes. influenced. It's influenced. Yes. It's influenced. Like there was like clearly like a moment in like the late '90s, early 2000s, where like Japanese monsters who like did battle were all the rage. Um, and I get it. I was super into Pokemon. I never really got into Digimon. I think like my exposure to media was either like all through friends at school uh-huh. or like through my sister, but. So like kids at school were playing Pokemon. So I kind of got into Pokemon. My sister was like into it ish, but we just never were really exposed to Digimon. Got so it. also like, I just Googled this real quick and it says that Pokemon ripped off ideas from Digimon. Oh, so Digimon was um, first. But then it says all the times that Digimon pulled ideas right out of Pokemon. So they were just so stealing they, from each other. They are. <laughs> oh my God. So much like the monsters that they created, they themselves were battling. Look at that. Mm. So as far as I can gather from the episode that I watched, let me, ex- okay, you, I'm going to, I'm going to make some guesses and you tell me if I'm right. Okay. Okay. So there are these children. The Digi-Dustin. I didn't know that was what they were called. I heard that name a couple times and I was like, I don't know what that is. And so now I know. So the these children, the Digi Destin. Yes. I'm guessing that they are like from the regular human world, but they some they their love of monsters and desire <laughs> to fight and don't interrupt me I, until I'm done. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> My their desire to save the world from technological disaster sends them into the digital world where there are monsters that are fighting each other and that they can capture and some of them are dinosaurs one of them is a really buff lion there's like angels (laughs) so like there's potentially an existence of like a, a god figure but it's also clearly very influenced by Shintoism and the spirit shoot spirits. But it's like a technic, it's like Shintoism meets the digital age. It's kind of how I saw it in the one hey, wh- episode what, that I watched. What meets the what age? I'm sorry, repeat that. Shintoism meets the digital age. Shintoism. So Shintoism is is um is a is a belief set uh of like kind of older Japan prior uh, yes, to yes, yes. Buddhism, but it's still around, it, 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 it kicks. But it, like a lot of um, Miyazaki films kind of delve into that. And like, it's the idea that like everything has a spirit, mm-hmm. very connected mm-hmm. to the natural world. Um, and like lots of like little shrines for the different spirits um, in Japan. I'm explaining this like a, like a white person, who who to thunk. Um, but it, 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 it did sort of feel like, okay, this idea that there's like, the spirit of a digital realm like spirits in the digital realm yes. did i get any of that right i mean yes Ooh. um you cannot capture them like this isn't pokemon where you like oh. have a pokeball and throw it at them and you're like oh gotta catch them all no 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 so so there's the digi destined and then <laughs> Um, <laughs> could you define that word like if you if i had to like look if you were to have to put that word in in the dictionary <laughs> oh, the digi Destin. So the digi are the eight kids that are paired up and have a digi partner, right? They, they have like a Digimon partner. Like the, and so yeah, 
they are like the destined people to like save oh, the digi world there's kind of a chosen one narrative going yes on. that, that's kind okay, of what it is they're, okay, you know, okay, okay. they're destined right okay so the digi destined have um i don't say this responsibility or task but in the not in this like revamped one because I skipped several episodes in the beginning because sure, sure. I just wanted to see Anjuman, but then sure. I started watching it. Like, um, yeah, I just continued watching it because it's like this updated one has so much more. Like there actually feels like there's danger where the monsters are actually like, like literally, you know, they're fighting. Well, okay. That, when so it was, they're when fighting I was younger, the children. Yeah, because when I was younger, of course, it's like that you know they're coming in there's a loud noise and then it's it cuts to someone and it's just very still like right <laughs> there's not much of action yeah um whereas now it's like oh you literally see all these monsters like going at it and like just destroying shit yeah um and in the new movie that just came out like there's blood everywhere and i'm like oh god this is yeah we went there oh um, violence which is cool, I guess. Uh, no, it's cool because it's like it aged with us, I think. Good. Uh, but anyway, so you have the DigiDestined. And in the in the original or the first one, whatever, uh, 20 years ago, they are camping. And then all of a sudden something happens. And if I remember correctly, there's like these little bubbles that are like floating up. And they start to like grab them, the DigiDestined. And they turn to these Digivices. And so the Digivices look like these like octagonal shaped like okay because that's what i thought the poke I, thought, I was like oh this is the equivalent of a pokeball but it's not no it's a digivice okay and so what the digivice does it's like it helps you like in this new rendition it helps them communicate with one another and then it also like gives them statuses of it's almost like it becomes like, almost like a pokedex too where it shows you the status of each monster and like if they're a champion level if they're a mega level like what level in their evolution they are in uh -huh. Right. Yes. And so each Digimon comes from, uh, I think it's called like a Digitama, I think. And it's like a little egg. And uh -huh. so when it, you know, it hatches and there's an evolution line. Anyway, okay. No, so the I'm Digidestin, this. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like it comes out of the egg, right? There's like a little, like a baby Digimon. And oh. then it continues to Digivolve. And through experience or battles or data that it absorbs, it can Digivolve further into different like levels. What the Digidestin and the Digivice allows these pair Digimon to do is evolve to Digivolve to um, different levels kind of whenever, right? So they might go from like a rookie level to a champion to a mega all because, you know, they have their Digidestin with them. Um, and then they'll like revert back. And if they exert too much energy, they'll go into like their like, I, I forgot what it's called, but like they're like almost baby phase. They're like pre-rookie phase. So they can like de-digi-devolve? Yeah, they, they usually do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so there's some of them without the Digidestin, right, that exist within this world that digivolve on their own. And those people tend to, or those Digimon tend to be at that level already. Whereas these other with the Digidestin, they have the ability to move, you know, throughout those evolutions. Uh um yeah, and so that's what the importance of having the Digidestin is because now in this revamp, there's something called the Holy Wars. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, oh, we're going there. Okay, so there's Devimon and Anjumon and they're like heading Holy like one-on-one. -on -one. And so I was like, oh yeah, so this is the Holy Ones. This is like, this just became like super, anyway. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> it's, I'm with you. It's still really cool though. Uh, my favorite is Paraman, who digivolves into Anjuman, who then digivolves into Magna Anjuman, who that one's my favorite, but that lineage or that line is my favorite. Um, yes, so what there is, is the, what does baby Anjuman look like? It's Paramon. It looks like a little, um, imagine a cute little pig, but it's like yellow okay. with like a white belly. And then it has like these little bat ears and it can fly like that. So like, ears. that's incredible. But also why does that turn into like this hot dude? Yo, girl, I don't know. Like there, <laughs> there is one that's named Palmon and it's like a little cactus that turns into this gigantic cactus that then turns into this beautiful, like it's, she's called Lilymon and she looks like almost like the, it's just a, it, so when it, it digivolves, it goes from like this big cactus and you see this flower come from the top of the big cactus and then it, it comes out of there. Um, and it's it becomes like this hot this, chick. Like, Oh yeah, it's like this hot fairy. And I'm just like, see, that's who I want to be. And Anjuman's who I want to be in me. Interesting. Yes, 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 you know? yes. Yes. So the episode that will probably come out before yours, like right before, I'm not sure the what's going on. Um, but in the in the in the Golden Girls episode, uh myself and Nora are my guest talk about how the beautiful thing about queerness that like is in so many ways so liberating but I think why so many like baby queer people and like people who don't know they're queer yet get so flustered and confused is because there is this I don't know if I want to be them mm. or fuck them mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that kind of confusion and like what I think is like the inherent beautiful thing about queerness is that like it it, it can be both yeah. like and unlike you know heterosexual pairings or like heterosexual attraction like there's like something kind of barring like the both being and fucking of a, mm -hmm. of a person that you desire or desire to be um I love that there were kind of two there was one that you desired to be and then one that you desired like both in the same show and like the, mm -hmm. that you see them kind of evolve and grow I think that that's really interesting it's really you know that something so something that you just said in regards to um, what you might want to be and in regards to grappling like who you're attracted to or what, you know, mm -hmm. um, or if you like, yeah. So something <laughs> in regards to like gender exploration that I, as I was thinking of all of these different things and my childhood and upbringing yes. or whatever. Yes. One of the things that came up was Sailor Moon. Oh yeah. And I was like, I love Sailor Moon and the Sailor Scouts. And that's when I was like, that was my gender exploration because it's like, hell yeah, I want to be a fucking Sailor Scout. And also there are Sailor Scouts that like literally transform different genders, I believe, or like they, because they're stars or some shit like that. Um, but yes, absolutely. Yeah. Also, I did not know that we could utilize shows that were not like cartoons or animations or anything oh like that. Oh my God. Does so, that change your answer? <laughs> yes, it does. Because oh, there's no. this very specific, well, home okay. Story time. There's okay. a very specific moment that I remember um, where I'm like, there is no way that my parents did not know from a very young age, because this was either like, I think this was like kindergarten or something Ooh. like that, <laughs> where there's this show called El Gordo y la Flaca. Okay. In Spanish, it, uh, so it closely translates to the fat and the skinny one. Um, and it's this, yeah, I know, but like All it's right. this, um, <laughs> this dude and this woman and there was like a talk show host, talk show kind of thing. Honestly, I don't really remember much about 
them uh-huh. or like what kind of show it was. But, but one I was do remember the fat and the skinny one. Got it. Yes, exactly. And it's like, I think it's like some sort of gossip thing about Love like, it. like, you know, yeah. Uh, kind of entertainment gossip about us. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. 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 About like Justin pop culture Kelly. and like, yeah. 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 Um, and so one of the things they had that they showed was the episode that was going to be tomorrow towards uh-huh. the end. Right. And the episode that was going to be the next day was this very hot male model. And they showed a clip of him in a, um, an Adam, like an Adam and Eve, but like an Adam <gasps> the little bikini. Leaf. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. And they yeah. were going to do the, conduct the interview in a bathtub, I'm sorry, in a hot tub. And I was like, mom, can you record that for me? Because I want to see it tomorrow and I go to school. Wait, how old were you? I was young. I mean, like Aurelia, like I'm, I'm talking like, you know, probably kindergarten. Whoa. Um, yeah. I mean, like, young. I'm interested in this. I mean, so, okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. So when people, when folks talk about um, their sexuality and coming to and whatnot and like, and discovering it, I didn't necessarily know what that meant per se, because like, I've always known um, from like the, you know, Mm-hmm. Again, this is like one of my first memories is mm-hmm. me like gawking at this male model. <laughs> I like to watch this guy in a hot tub, mother. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't know what this is, but it, like it is it is interesting and it is uh, moving and doing something internally uh, in regards to my emotions. And I would like to watch this man in a, um, a leaf bikini take, you know, be in a hot tub. And, a warm and bath. Be, you know? <laughs> I just, I want to see that. And it's very, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, amazing. So that is my first memory uh, in regards to like having something. Uh, uh, yeah, do it for me. I it think, was that well, awakening. I think what's really wonderful to, to, to do, do my own trumpet. To, did you do, do my own trumpet for a second? Um, I, I think like, I, like even from the very beginning of this show, I think like I, my, my definition of like sexual awakening is actually pretty loose. Cause I think lots mm. of people have come on and shared different things. There's like been people who have like been like, yeah, this was like the first thing that made me horny. I was 12 mm. and blah, blah, blah. Then there's like people who come on and they're like, no, the first time I understood like what desire was, I was mm. maybe mm-hmm. four and I saw this thing and this like affected me in X, Y, Z way. Yep. Or like, you know, I saw this and I was like, oh, this is like kind of the model of what I want to to be as a person or like mm. we have it's a really wide range. And I think like all of that is a part of awakening, yes. maybe not all sexual, but all like a part of it is like self discovery and like media influences our understandings of ourselves and the world around us. Absolutely. Um, would you say there was never a time that you like even pretended to be straight? You always knew. Oh, no, I absolutely pretended to be straight. <laughs> oh, I absolutely did. I'm over there doing like Gaga dance just saying that I'm straight. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I, no, I, I didn't come out until I was 22. Whoa, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. You don't I, have to share the story, but I do love when my my gay guests are, are t- tell their coming out stories. Yeah, I'll tell it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I didn't come out until I was 20. Here's the thing. I wrote a show called um, Glass Kaleidoscope, but almost renamed it, it renamed it to Glass Closet because 
there was no closet at a certain point. I mean, it, it was a closet, but everyone can see through it. And I was just afraid to get out of it. Oh, everyone um, knew but you. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. I'm, like I'm saying, I'm over here like uh, 14 year old me is over here wrapped up in caution tape and like, you know, my hair is curled up in like Coke bottles Aww. doing like telephone at a church. Um, I literally did, it was a fundraiser. Yes. <laughs> It was a fundraiser and we got some space at like this, um, this like Christian church with very, very homophobic um, folks. And there I am dancing, telephone. Unaffected. Just, you know. (laughs) (laughs) If you can find a video Um, of this. (laughs) Oh my God, I'll look. If one exists, I would like to see it. I, I'll look, yes, because it, it, yes, it is fun. Um, you know, I'm over there like, anyway, I'm so gay, but- I love it, I love it! <laughs> um, I didn't come out till I was 22, wow. and that's because I ended up uh, studying in Italy. Mm. Well, so when I was 21, um, I, because my birthday's in the summer. So when I was 21, after like one of my years in undergrad, I can't remember what year it was, um, one of my professors had a residency in France and she was like, Hey, would y'all like, it was myself and two other colleagues of mine, or actually two, two really good friends of mine. And one of them is my current managing director, who is also now my godparents, uh, Fran. Uh, Fran is then, your godparent? Yeah. Fran is my god, my godparent. On I my, have no um, idea. Yeah. They're, they signed on my, um, my Mexican birth certificate. So I'm a dual citizen. And so their signature is on my, um, on my birth certificate. I so didn't know. Yeah. Um, and then sense. my <laughs> my other friend, Amy, who is one of our board members of ITM uh, was considered my theater wife. Theater <laughs> so, wife. So that's not gay at all. Not gay at all. Um, <laughs> she's lesbian. <laughs> not gay at all. <laughs> not gay at all. And so we, were asked if we wanted to go to France with her um, or to meet up with her while she was in France. Um, and we were being housed in Paris and we were working in, and I butchered all the time. I think it's called Nanterre. I don't know how to pronounce it. Nantes? It's like N-A-N-T-E-R-R-E. There's a university Nanterre. Yeah, thank you. So- I took French for eight years and then as soon as I stopped, I forgot it all. I went from practically fluent to nothing, but yeah, not hey, you'll, you'll catch on again. <laughs> well, now I'm learning Yiddish, so that's a different thing entirely. Okay, then fuck French then. Fuck French. <laughs> Reconnecting oh. with my roots, go on. <laughs> so, you know, we were housed in this wonderful loft, like almost a couple blocks over from like the Eiffel Tower. I'm like oh! a little baby undergrad. I'm just like, oh my God, this is so cool. And like, we got trained in masks um, to pretty much like devise and help this playwright kind of uh, workshop her new play, um, which is really cool. It's one of, yeah, like what my first international like gig experiences, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. But so after that, um, no, 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 I'm sorry. There's still, so during that, that is when Fanana and I started to like, um, converse more and kind of interact more because although we had met the year prior, they had spent like almost an entire year in some studying abroad in England. And so when we went to France, they hopped over from England to France, right, to meet us there. And then um, the three of us ended up going to Italy to then train further in Comedia del Arte and clowning and physical theater uh, and physical comedy. And so prior to that, 
you know, um, Amy had just come out and like Fran had been out. um, And at a certain point, there was a conversation that was happening when we were all in the loft. And I can't remember what it was, but we were talking about queerness at a certain point. I was like on that verge of like, I need, I want to come out and like, where do I go? Or like, what do I do? And um, Fran just kind of like asked just like, oh, and you're queer, right? But it wasn't even like a, it wasn't like a homophobic or no. kind of like a, like it, you know what? It, well, duh, it's not, it's Fran, so I wouldn't. <laughs> but it wasn't like one of those, um, are you gay kind of thing. <laughs> it was just like a, we were Gabriel? all about to go to the gay district and, you know, in France to go party it up. And so, you know, they were just checking in to see like if I'd be down and interested to go or whatever. Um, And I remember in that split second prior to me answering, it was like just this overwhelming sensation of like, oh my God, like, am I about to, yes. (laughs) And it was just like, it was just like, yes. It fell out of your Um, mouth. You couldn't, it couldn't wait to escape you. It just, it just couldn't. Cause it was like, you know, I was now in a new country. It was Mm -hmm. like these new folks and the thing that one of my friends from back home, okay, so we went off to Italy. Yes. And, you know, we were partying up in France. We went out to all the gay stuff. I was like a very baby queer, like literally just born a couple you hours were like, ago. You yes, born. <laughs> like, I would tear that up now. Like, I would tear it up. Like, there was like this these two men who wanted to get at us. And I was like, and you were like, I'm if scared. That was us, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, if that was us now, I'd be like, let's have a party. Like, we're about to. Um, we like ended up at a shower show. Uh, so it was a, yeah, it was. There was a jump into the deep end for you. Oh yeah, You're absolutely. Like, like, I'm gay. <laughs> just Flash. thrown in there. Like how, how delightful. Here I am in a sex club without even knowing that it was. Um, a little baby. But so, you know, we went off to Italy and uh, Amy, Fran and I, we pretty much were like roomed and we were housed together for the entire, like almost an entire year. Um, but then when we were in Italy, like we were housed again together and we were living together and we called it the queer room. And there it was like, all of these folks were from different places. So I didn't know like anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when it was like, oh, I get to kind, I get to explore who I am with these people that I have no attachment to. And so if they do not like who I am or if they like quote unquote reject me or whatever, it's not gonna affect me. Because I don't fucking know who they are, nor These am I going to care. Matter. These people exactly. Don't. And then after we're gone from this course, like I don't know where the hell we're all going to go. Like, um, so it just it didn't matter. And then like, um, I had this wonderful Lizzie McGuire moment with <laughs> this gelato guy. So Paolo, <laughs> uh, his name was Andrea, and Andrea. so, but so. <laughs> When we, so we had like, our course was so long. It was like 12 to 14 hours a day. We were sore all the fucking time and we were caught in a heat wave. But anyway, so just imagine like grungy us, like walking to and forth from like the, the place that we were studying the atelier to where we were being, when we were, I'm sorry, to our hostel. And like in between there, we would stop at this gelato place and I would always flirt with this the gelato Hot guy. Gelato guy. Is there so and cute. like that's like that's like a Mary Kate Mashley movie, except gay as hell. Oh my god! So it was so cute, like super cute, dude. 
Um, and he spoke Spanish, Italian, and English. And so he spoke Spanish a little bit better than English. So we would like chat. Um, and then, you know, he like gave me his number and then he was like, let's, let's go out for a drink. And so we went out for a drink. And, um, one of the last nights that I was there, he like came over, he brought us some beers and then he was like, Hey, like, let's go take a, a tour around here. And he had his little Vespa and like had me hop on the back and like, so I'm over there like holding on to him as we're driving. He's driving through like Turin out of all places, Torino. Um, and I was just like, I mean, it's not Rome, but hey, I am in Torino with this very cute gelato guy. Hey, Lizzie. Um, <laughs> oh like, my I might have been like a pop star sensation, but gelato guy, like. Whatever, you're was... in the industry. Um... Good enough. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Um, so. When I came back to the States, um, I started seeing some of my like really, really close friends. Um, and we're still really close. Uh, they're like family. And so I started just to kind of come out to them. Mm. Uh, like, you know, someone, one of my friends and I, we were gonna go to the club and I was like, hey, like come to the club with us. And her name is Connie. And she was like, oh, like, did you meet anyone there? And I was like, yeah, he's really cute. And so I really emphasized that he and she was like, oh. He's really cute. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, also, we're, I'm gay and we're going to a gay club. <laughs> and she was like, I knew and this is fine. <laughs> she just said, okay, cool. Um, okay. Are all your friends, you know? And I was like, yes. <laughs> are all your friends, you know? <laughs> you know? Like, yes. Yeah. Um, and then it just became like that. And I remember one of my other friends got so upset that I came out to her, to Connie, prior that I came but out to her. <laughs> she was like, what the hell? I thought we were closer. And I was like, that's the, that's why. <sighs> that's why I didn't come out to you first. It's a bigger deal to more, come out to you. Yes. There's more to lose. Um, and so came out was like living a, a great life and being like, oh my God, this is, why the fuck was I always, like, what? Um, and then I wrote a show. Uh, so I went off to Denver um, and I was in Denver and Chicago and there we are. Um, Fran, Amy and I again, this is the following year, like living it up in different states now, uh, having more queer adventures as baby queers in all of these queer clubs and whatnot. And um, there were some really great and some really shitty moments at the same time. And so I channeled that into a play and it was for my senior, my capstone. Um, and so I wrote Glass Kaleidoscope or Glass Closet that encompassed my, one of my journeys as being like a, a queer person of color. And it follows like two storylines, one of them being like a queer storyline of trying to come to your sexuality and accepting and like honing in um, and what happens when you come out. And then also when you're walking in life with brown skin mm. and so, and also uh, like queer. And so what are those dynamics? And I did it in sketch comedy. So very much like in the style of, I mean, that's, you know, what I, what I love to do. So it's yeah. very much when I would get to like heavy things, it goes into the comedic things. So it, the reason I bring this up is because in this show, 
um, I come out or like, I just like stayed it. So anyone and everyone who would come see my show, cause I was in it, it was like a, the way Fran describes it is that it started as a solo performance that, that I, I invited people in. Mm. And so it was, um, and the day before I was so nervous and I was like, I need to come out to my mom before she sees this. Yeah. because the scene, there are scenes that are in Spanish um, and there's scenes that are in English and, you know, either or they're still going to get that rawness of like where my thought process was at that moment in regards to coming out mm-hmm. um, and my queerness and whatnot mm-hmm. and my journey as a brown person too. Mm-hmm. So a lot of like homophobic and racist and, you know, racial prejudice and all that stuff was like uh, explored mm-hmm. in a comedic way, mm-hmm. but still heavy. And yeah. so, you know, I came out to her the day before um, and like I had come home from one of our last texts. And so I got home around like two something in the morning and around, you know, during that week a lot or that month leading up to it, my cohort and I had a, and we still have it. It's a group chat on Facebook called the Queer Words, the Q Word Squad. And when folks started coming out, they would message it and we would be like, are you okay? Like, do you need something? Just to make sure that there was a um, a support group in case something didn't go right. Like one of us can go pick up the other or they had a place to stay. Um, just really having that. And I feel very, very lucky that I had that because uh, I know a lot of people don't, you know, have that. They have to walk through this journey alone. And so I'm just very, very grateful. And I mean, I love all these people so much. And so I was among the last people to come out. Um, and not that it was like a, we all had to come out like, you know, like, oh, I'm doing tomorrow and you do. No, no, it was just like, it kind of just started happening, right? And it was like uh, being inspired by one another and just kind of taking the leap all together so we can navigate together kind of, but it w- was never like a pressured into kind of thing. But um, so yeah, I came out, uh, I came home, uh, my mom got up and you know she works at like 4 or 5 a.m and this was like two in the morning she got up to go like get some coke because she gets like thirsty in the in night and she loves her coca-cola instead that of water coke. got it i was like yes, oh. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no not that kind of coke. Not that coke. <laughs> oh and so you know i where my office currently is used to be like another living room and i was just sitting and i i heard her come in and i was like hey can i talk to you She's like, yeah. I was like, I have something to tell you. She's like, okay. She leaves. She goes to the bathroom. Um, um. She comes back. To, she goes back to the kitchen. And I just hear her like, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I hear like the fridge like opening and closing. Oh, she knows exactly what you're about to tell her. And she's making you a meal. She. It's like, she's. I just see the fridge opening, closing. I hear the freaking like microwave. I hear the stove turning on. She goes back to the restroom. Meanwhile, I'm over here like my heart is beating. My my entire body is like it just hot. And I'm like, I start to sweat. And I'm like, this is a bad, no, this is a sign. I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't do it. No, no, no. This is a sign. No, no, no. Like if she would have come out here faster. Yes. No, no, no. I'm not going to. No, I have to. No, I have to. And she comes over here with tea. And like little like treats, like little cookies and stuff for the tea, um, and like little snacks and whatnot, and like a, a PB and J because she knows I love them with like some cinnamon powder on it. Um, 
And like, she usually comes, you know, when, when I would come home from school, she would come out just to say goodnight uh, and go back to bed. And so this time I was, you know, it was different. Um, and so, you know, I, she sat down and she was like, okay, what's up? And I was like, you know, I like men, right? And she said, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, claro. Claro que sí. Um, I was like, sabes que me gustan los hombres, verdad? She's like, claro. And the conversation then went into her telling me about um, my one of my cousins and she grew up in the 80s, right? Like she was, you know, in her 20s, like in her early 20s and the 80s. And what she experienced was, um, so there, there's, uh, without like uh, going super deep, she is an orphan. And so um, one of like her family or packs or whatever you want to call it, were a lot of drag queens. Mm. Um, and so like the drag folks like brought her in and like, cause one of my cousins, um, you know, she did drag or, but she did drag prior to, um, you know, transitioning, but, um, she witnessed a lot of her folks, uh, a lot of her friends die, um, through the AIDS pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that she was very worried about was she just kind of had a sex talk with me and yeah. talked about like safe to, you know, to be safe and um to make sure that i'm practicing like uh safe, safe sex practices yeah um and then she then went on to talk to me about that her only fear is because people are cruel mm -hmm. and she's like people are cruel in this world and she said imagine if people that you know and people that you once loved and that said that they once loved you imagine if they don't accept you what are people who do not even know you? How will they then uh, interact with you? Mm -hmm. And this wasn't in regards to like, think about that, be pro no, no, no. It was no. more of like, I'm, I've been worried, you know, I'm worried about you because I'm a mother, but now I'm going to be even more worried. Mm -hmm. But she was like, I'm very glad that you finally came to be you before you regretted it and were like 70 something and like regretted your entire life, lived a, li a lie your entire life. And then at 70 something said, yes, this is who I am. And she said, now you get to really be you and live your actual life. Um, and that's all I needed to hear because after that I was like, you're the only important person in my life that I need the acceptance from. Um, and everyone else can go fuck themselves if they don't accept me or whatever, like, I don't care. And yeah, that's, that was then. And so then I had the show the next day and in the show, I talk about queerness and yeah, like I literally, there's a line in the play where I say literally like, oh, I'm in the process of coming out. Like I'm navigating that. Mm -hmm. Um, and anyway, so it was just, that was my trajectory. That is a beautiful story. The part, okay, I didn't think it was possible to be into your mom more, but <laughs> that is, I love that that was her response. It was like to make you a snack and say, yes, of course I know. Like I'm your mom and I love you. And of course I'm worried about you, but like leading with love in that way, like you're right. So many people that 
we know both personally and just like know the stories of it's just like that's not the reception that they get yeah. from the people who are supposed to love them and take care of them the most and yeah absolutely whew, wow i got emotional thank you for sharing that that's so beautiful no, thank you it's so beautiful one other thing is that she knew not she like not just knew like she lo presentio. she had that feeling mm -hmm. because then she told me that uh like that week earlier that week she told my dad she was like i feel like ramon wants to tell us something i feel like ramon's about to come out to us um how did your dad feel well i didn't talk to him about it so but during the conversation what my mom told him was and if they do just know that if you do anything stupid <laughs> you're out of the house ah, go mom and the thing is that like you know my dad was a very was a very like machista like misogynistic very just like very typical mexican father um and so i mean he he's so so fucking different like just so different we're like we're we're pretty close now and like all the jazz but um during that time period like it was you know we're fine we were fine but to my mom to just be like if you do anything stupid, if you get any out of line, you're out of the house and just know that, that it's my son and then you. And so just know that if you do anything, any misstep, you're out. To which my dad responded to her saying something around the lines of like, wait, what the fuck? Like, of course I'm gonna love them. Like what? Um, and I actually never came out to my dad. All right. I. I never, cause I was like, are you gonna tell my dad? And I was like, don't you think you'd feel more comfortable or better if you told him yourself? And I was like, no, <laughs> um, just because I didn't, I don't know. Like I, I, I don't know. I just didn't have, I don't, I don't know if it's the courage or what it was. I just, yeah, I guess I just didn't have the courage to be able to have that conversation and we never had it. Wow. Um, but like, I mean, I talked to him about like boys that I date and stuff like that. So. Uh, and then shortly after, like I was dating someone like after that and, you know, he was always at my house and my dad was always cool with them and stuff. Mm -hmm. so, but yeah. Oh, what a great story. What a fantastic <laughs> um, story. Yeah. Dads are, dads are hard. I don't, it's interesting. Cause I, my stepmom, I don't think I ever came out to her. My parents are lesbians. So you'd think that the coming out process would be easy, but it like, wasn't, <laughs> it like, wasn't easy. It was like, I came out to my mother, my birth mom in like a car and like I was like crying and like having some sort of adolescent temper tantrum mm -hmm. or meltdown mm -hmm. and like I was like 13 14 oh shut up <laughs> I mean it's like so funny and like I'll, I'll you'll hear the story so okay. I was like 13 14 in this in the car with my mom I'm like crying I'm pissed off and she's like what is going on why are you so upset and I was like I bye <laughs> <laughs> I also like girls and she's like oh we knew that <laughs> she's like honey I'm bi your mom's bi your dad was bi everyone's bi <laughs> and I was like oh and not that she was like not like affirming and validating but she was like yeah. she was like similar to your mom she was like yeah like yes. obviously yes like yeah. <laughs> and it was but again i didn't tell my stepmom who was like i don't want to like use stereotypes my stepmom has said to me on several occasions that had she been 
born in a different time or if she had been like born like around our generation that she would have been trans and I don't know how to say to her it's like you have that option now like if you feel Mm -hmm. that way like you can be that way but I think she like still feels like she like identifies as a woman that's just like all that she knows but she is like a pretty like masculine person Mm -hmm. she gets sir a lot at the grocery store um good for her um that's the dream but she like (laughs) but i i never told her and not because like she just knew even though they both knew but like my mom in her big mouth was like guess what (laughs) (laughs) and i told her not to tell Lori, and then she was like i can't not tell your stepmom and she like (laughs) told my stepmom and i was like mom and she was like what but Lori was like ah whatever we knew that like you've been obsessed with your girlfriends for a long time in a way not normal guess what my mom's like yeah so my mom like couldn't wait to get home and tell my stepmom my painful secret no one gave a oh shit my, my, my i did like i don't know it was interesting i went back into the closet for some time <sighs> because being bisexual is a weird hard thing but like there's a lot of um like anti anti bi sentiment within the queer a lot of bi erasure within like the queer community and i think that is it's so fucked up because well first off i think bi people and pan people are like they're living their full self um, because, I mean, personally, you know, my stance, like sexuality is acts based on desires. Uh, we don't necessarily, I don't want to say we don't need terminology. Terminology helps us kind of um, explore who we are, right? And gives names to, and names have power, gives names to um, state and identify and navigate the world. Um, but when you strip away the labels and you look at sexuality as uh, acts based on desires, it's just like, just whoever you're attracted to, y'all, like, don't hold yourself back. Like, it's okay. Like, don't hold yourself back from experiencing that. And if there's mutual attraction, beautiful, explore it. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Why not? People are hot. I, yes. yeah, I think it's like really weird. Also, when- I think I have like a bi fetish or some shit. I'm like, ooh, bisexual men. Ooh, hi. I think ooh, every- bisexual men. Ooh, bisexual hi. men are <laughs> hot. Bisexual men are hot. It's also just like for me, like when I know that a that a, a a guy or like someone who identifies as a man is like bi, I'm like, oh, I am a little bit safer in your company. Yeah, and that's not even true. Yes. Like, I don't think that like. But it feels it. But it feels it. It's like you understand mm-hmm. this experience, and like I think I've only ever been with. That's not true. The majority of the women I've been with have have been bi. But then there was, yeah, I won't talk about that. Um, One of my exes was bi, and two of my exes are bi. Two of the guys I dated are bi. Oh my God, yeah. No, you have I a fetish. <laughs> like, All right, hey. bi, are, bi people are, like, I think I think it's like what you said. It's like the full expression of, you know, like the possibilities. Absolutely. I, I'm just, I'm not going to say no to a good time. <laughs> like Exactly. And everything in my life. That's like my philosophy. It's like you, my, my two life rules. You are in charge of your own good time. 
And don't you dare say no to a good time. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Have fun. Uh, and so, you know, much like the Digi just end. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. So I, I have, <laughs> yeah, I have a on. way to, to loop this together. Bring I swear. Back, bring I it think. back. Bring it back. Okay, go so on. So <laughs> to, to cut back to, uh, I was talking about my coming out journey and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Prior to coming back home and um, having this conversation with my mom, but after like the Illy and yada, yada. So um, I was in grad school auditions in Chicago. This was after Denver. Um, and no, was this in, the, no, this was in Denver. Mm. And so I was with a friend of mine who we actually met in Italy during this course, uh, who's still a really great fr- uh, friend of mine. She runs her own theater company in Chico. Uh, her name is Lara, wonderful person, incredible. And, uh, we were being affected by the Denver altitude and drunk as fuck. Fran, it was Fran's birthday. Uh, Fran was in the bathroom breaking toilets. Like they literally broke a toilet. Um, and like I was turning off with like a former porn star. Again, baby, baby queer me was like, oh my God, he wants to sleep with me. Whereas That's now I'd be like, thing. hell yeah. <laughs> but I was more, uh, a, more bawling and crying to Lara in regards to like, oh my God, what if my mom doesn't accept me? And she's a mom. So she was like, as a mom, I can tell you it's going to be very, very hard for your mom to say that I will not accept you because like my children are everything. Mm. Um, and so there is somewhat of a scene in my play that's around that. Mm. Um, and so I'm just very thankful for her in regards to it. All this to say is that all of that really, there was, there was, oh shit. There was something that I was going to link back to Digimon, I swear, and I lost it. Um, hold on. It was something in regards to. It's okay if you can't find it again. Listen, sometimes the episodes are about the topic and sometimes they're just about like growing up and figuring your shit out. Everything is fair game. Um, I would say say it's, it's because like the digivolutions. (laughs) Go on. And it's the way, right. Every time that you evolve, you turn into something stronger Mm. and more beautiful. And I can go from the, like the little cutie, like the little cute orange or yellow pig with like bat wings to this beautiful, like muscular God with like beautiful long flowing hair and these gigantic wings um and then you when you think you can't evolve any further you can you know and you become like this like ultra angel um which is so interesting because the way my mom talks about queer folks is that we're angels and she always says the thing with queer people is that y'all are angels because y'all have pure hearts um, and you know how to love people and y'all are here to change the hearts of others. And unfortunately that means that y'all are going to bring on a lot of hurt and pain because people are very terrible and they're cruel. And she says, but y'all are here to change things for the better. And she then also elaborates, especially when it comes to non-binary folks or two-spirit folks or like people who transition or whatever. She says, there's a reason that y'all don't have a gender is because God themselves does not have a gender. And so with that, I'll link it back 
to Anjaman. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you said it. You said it. You said it. Oh my God. That is incredible. I, I, we, I, I mean, we, we're, we're about at our time anyway. So I guess I'll ask you the closing questions. That was so powerful and beautiful. And I'm like emotional. Um, the, you kind of touched on this, but like, did you ever have the talk slash what was your sex education like? I'm talking my sex education, my sex education in, um, I had something in fifth grade. Um, and so they gave us like a little t a pamphlet in regards to what we were going to be feeling that erections were natural, that <laughs> masturbation was okay. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> um, so it was very much, you know, in regards to our bodies changing and sure. like the, the hormone, the hormones, the hormones, yes, the, the hormone, my hor band, band name, calling the, it <laughs> the, the hormones and, and all, you know, all those things. Then we were supposed to have like some sexual education in seventh grade, but in seventh grade, my year, there was some sort, I don't know what happened, but they like skipped it that year. So I'm sure some parent complained. Yeah. But like the class before and after and all that, they all had it minus my class. So I, I don't know what that was about. Maybe, yeah, some parent complained or some shit. Um, because I, this, from what I, what I remember from this one, was that like they gave people just like free condoms and they had someone from like Planned Parenthood come in and talk about um, kind of like the risks of being sexually active. Mm -hmm. And then in fresh my freshman year, then we had um, some more like sexual education that was a hybrid history class or like social studies or some shit like that. And so it was like a social studies class, but somewhere in the semester, there was like a portion that was like sexual education and people from Planned Parenthood came in to talk to us about like, um, sexual health and how to put on a condom right, uh, but also the risks of sex and like the risk of like, you know, STIs and anything that can be transmitted. Um, they showed us all those wonderful pictures of like all the genitals with all the nests, right? Oh yeah. Um, it was wonderful. <laughs> but in regards to like queer sex education, um, now that's a different story, right? Like Ugh. you don't necessarily get that. And so it, like queer sex education has come more from my own personal studies within my undergrad, but also having like, as I mentioned, my queer folks, um, my queer friends. And so, you know, of course my mom has like told me be careful with this, this, that, mm -hmm. but in regards for her, it's because, you know, she saw a lot of her friends perish, but in regards to like, you know, things such as like douching for as, as an example, right? Like no one tells you, like you, let's say you watch Brokeback Mountain and uh, like no. you see <laughs> not Keith the pushed down, right? You're like exactly right. You're now. I'm like, whoa, hey, hold up, hold oh, up, no, like just a little spit. Is, no, thank you. <laughs> is is Jake good to take this right now? Like, how's Jake doing over here? Like, does you need to take some moment to go like uh, flush it out and then come back. Do you have any lube? Are you going to give me some more spit than that? Because that's going to hurt. Um, but, you know, so to go from not necessarily knowing how the body functions in regards to like how to have like uh, anal penetration to then having to rely on your inner circle and whatnot and the good old Google. But mo <laughs> it's it's been most of my uh, queer friends and then, you know, actually studied 
like sexuality. And so sexology is like one of my concentrations. Mm. So I very much um, study like pornography and sexology and how that kind of like affects the brain and yada, 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 yada. And like just so many different things. And so that's kind of where my uh, sexual education came from or stems from. That is cool. Fascinating, Mm. fascinating stuff. I have one final question for you. Yes. Did that do it for you? It did. Oh my God. It hella did it for me. Stopping this recording right now. Well, that did it for me. Hope that did it for you. Thank you so much for listening. That Do It For Ya is hosted and created by Leo Grierson, edited and produced by Leo Grierson and Eric Solis. Theme songed by Eric Solis and visual design is by Benny Kessler. Follow us on social media at That Do It For Ya wherever you social your media. That Do It For Ya is a proud arm of the Juvenalia Collective. To find out more about the collective and what we do, you can head over to thejuveniliacollective.com. And if you want to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash thatdoitforyapod to join our horny little community.